The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. One forgets what it means today to love and to cherish true values. What is it that keeps us from understanding those things? Yvonne once said that parents are so into materialism that they put that ahead of their children. These words, one forgets what it means to love and to cherish true values, is a message from a lady. She said March 25th, 1996, what is due that causes this forgetfulness of us in this culture today, worldwide. She said, Dear children, I invite you to decide again to love God above all else. In this time, when due to the spirit of consumerism, one forgets what it means to love and to cherish true values. True value is 
what is attacked today. People's value that they place on things is what he goes on to continue to talk about. Do not let Satan attract you through material things. But let our children decide for God who is freedom and love. When you are attracted by things of Satan, especially material things, you forget that which is most important, your own children, your own neighbor, because it's enemy towards self. When I was first going to Medjugorje, I was still in business, and one of my clients was Church of Christ. And of course, you know about them, they're a pretty good distance from Catholicism. And I told them about Medjugorje, and they ended up coming to Medjugorje. He says, one of the most, they pulled the, the, the only daughter out of school and went with me. He says, one of the most cherished experiences of their life. They brought a picture back and gave it to me of poppy flowers in Medjugorje. And they wrote on the bottom of it, or rather on the back of it, what the Croatian translation was on the front. And it said, sometimes we can't enjoy the things that we have because of the want of what we don't have. And much of society is this way. We get one thing and we forget about that real quickly, thinking about the next. We don't even enjoy what God's given to us. We don't even think about it. And when you're that way, you lose your freedom, you lose simplicity, and from there you lose love because you have no grateful heart. You ever think to think that you might have a headache and you take an aspirin or something and it goes away? That you should thank God that He's created in this chemistry of good drugs like this that can be taken for this, that His physics work out that you can be relieved from this. That's a pause, a reflection to think about, to be grateful. And these kinds of things are simple. And it's the most simplest thing sometimes we need to be thankful for. Just running water. And yet we're always wanting the next thing. And we don't even stop to pause long enough to realize that just to turn on a hot tap of water that civilizations for 10,000 years and back never had that. The luxuries that we have and the simple basic things that we think are to be expected can be gone tomorrow. And they will be. In the Virgin Islands, on St. Thomas Island, the whole place has no water. You hear about St. Thomas Island and how beautiful everything is. It's incredible. They have no fresh water. They have to bring it all in or make it from the sea. So if something happens economically that they can't sustain this, what are they going to do? It's inhabitable. What are you going to do? What kind of island are you on, surrounded by material things that you depend on that might vanish tomorrow? And how grateful you would be and regretful you would be at the same time of those things that you used to have that you have no longer. And these leads us to the words, these thoughts of Our Lady to reflect on your future. 
I can't say it any plainer than I've said before. Life as we know it is not going to continue. And some people are affected on that and they're making changes in their life. This article is entitled A Different Kind of Plenty and it's from the uh, Guidepost magazine. It's written by a woman and uh, about her, she and her husband who left it all. She writes, Homesteading, sustainable living, going off the grid. You wouldn't expect a couple of gray-haired Quakers to be way ahead of the trends, would you? That's all right. My husband Jim and I, the aforementioned Quaker couple, didn't expect it either. We also never expected our little ecological and economic exercise to become a spiritual practice, indeed a whole new way of life. When we started simplifying and scaling back in the mid-90s, we were just trying to live more lightly on the earth and to have more time for each other. Jim and I married in 1994. We had a lot in common. We were both in our 40s and well-established in our careers. He was a computer systems consultant for several large corporations. I was a physical therapist. We'd grown up in big cities, me in New York, Jim in Chicago. We loved bicycling and the outdoors. Most important, our beliefs were in sync. Both of us drawn to our faith's principles of simplicity and integrity and caring for the earth. Simplicity is about putting God first and setting aside anything that gets in the way of a life centered in Him. Integrity means living a life where your outward actions match your inward self. As committed as we were to our faith and to each other, we struggled with these principles. It's hard in today's world not to get caught up in the culture of consumption. When we combined households and settled into Jim's comfortable home near Chicago, we had two or more of everything, from cars to coffee makers. We'd been blessed with a bountiful life, I thought. But I had to put in longer and longer hours to keep up with that lifestyle. Jim, too. I found myself coming home from work feeling drained, not only physically, but also spiritually. One night, I sank down at the table across from Jim, and I looked around our kitchen. Counters lined with fancy appliances, cabinets filled with pots and pans, so many things, most of which we didn't really need. We have plenty, I said to Jim. But is this what we really want? We've been working so much that I feel like we've lost touch with what brought us together in the first place. Relief dawned on Jim's face. You know, I've been thinking the very same thing, he said. My work doesn't fulfill me anymore. It takes me away from you and it just deadens my spirit somehow. As a physical therapist, I could see how I helped people. Jim, with his big corporate clients, didn't have that satisfaction. We've talked about living more simply, more lightly on the earth, I said. Maybe it's time to try it. We started by giving things away. Three truckloads got carted off to the Salvation Army. But that was just stuff we didn't use or need anyway. It didn't have much impact on our daily lives. So we took bigger steps. We went from two cars to one. We put up a clothesline. Instead of going out to dinner, we cooked more. We gave up meat and planted a vegetable garden. We revived old school skills like baking our own bread and making our own yogurt and wine. We were spending and consuming less, but we yearned for greater, deeper change. What if we completely committed to a simpler, earth-friendly lifestyle? 
Could we move somewhere where we could have no electric or water bill and grow most of our own food? We research solar technology. We would have to live where the weather is milder and the growing season longer, with the southern exposure for a garden and solar home. A rural area where land was available and simpler, near a stream that could supply our water. The biggest question, could we reduce our expenses enough that we'd be able to retire at age 50 and survive on our savings? Jim and I crunched the numbers. If we can manage on less than half of what we do now, Jim said, we can swing it. Cutting our expenses by more than half was drastic. My mind went back to the Quaker principles of simplicity, integrity, and caring for the earth. Together, we developed a budget that met our needs and even provided for a few extras. We put our house on the market and bought a plot of land in the mountains of western North Carolina, 25 miles from Asheville. There was a good quality spring to provide water for drinking, cooking, bathing, laundry, and gardening. We built a small passive solar home with windows, walls, and floors designed to collect heat from the sun in winter and block it in summer and installed a solar water collector. The land was farmable but somewhat depleted. Tobacco had been grown on it previously. We composted and brought in organic materials to further enrich the soil. Our first planting was green cover, mainly peas. Over time, our garden has grown to include asparagus, rhubarb, root vegetables, even winter wheat. We've added berry bushes and fruit trees. We propagate Mushrooms on logs from our woods. We built a little unheated greenhouse to extend the growing season through winter. We keep crops in a cool storeroom and do a lot of canning and drying of fruits and vegetables. We share seeds and bumper crops with neighbors and carpool with them. We even organized a community food co-op to buy what we can't grow. We've homesteaded here in the mountains for 15 years, living sustainably on far less than we used to. The biggest surprise is that our lives have become richer in all respects. Jim and I still work much of the time, but it's work that is satisfying to the soul. Tending our garden, digging up potatoes and turnips and parsnips, picking pears, cooking our dinner. We do it all together, and that connects us through the entire day. Our spiritual life has deepened too. Living the way we do has made us much more mindful of the sun, the rain, the spring water, the earth and all that God provides, and much more grateful. One Saturday evening, our first year here, Jim and I were relaxing after a long day of harvesting when he looked at me and he said, There's one more change I'd like to make to our lives. He went to a drawer, fetched a candle, and set it on, in a holder on the kitchen table. I'd like to keep the Sabbath. What a lovely idea. Jim lit the candle. As the sun went down, we silently prayed. I gazed out our back window at the garden, the clear spring, the woods. God, this is truly a beautiful and bountiful life. Thank you. My spirit has been filled with gratitude every Sabbath, indeed every day since. I'm not going to give up meat. <laughs> you might say the same thing. You don't have to. You go grass. Cow eats grass, you eat cow. The whole spiritual awakening of these people is written in Genesis. By the sweat of your by the sweat of your brow shall you eat. We deviate from that and we don't have gratification. They said they work hard, but they do work that they get something from 
or rather something back from it. And that's why anybody's ever worked with the soil, they've ever worked with the ground, they've ever grown anything, they, there's something comes from it, not just the fruit of it, but there's something very self-gratifying, something that fills you with a, a, a need that is met, is, that's met by having the ability to be a creator. Procreate. Plant the seed. Nurture it. Work with God. Eat its fruits. If anybody's ever done that with a tomato plant and ate your own tomatoes compared to a store-bought, it's not that they just taste better. It's that it came from your hands. And that's why farming is the only occupation ordained by God. He confined Adam to it and moved too far from the soil. We're too far from these things. And nobody's satisfied. And they keep searching incessantly. Consumerism. On and on. It amazes me that people don't get it at these weddings where they're dropping $30,000, dollars $60,000. I was told, where was I? In, in Florida a couple months ago, that one guy dropped a million dollars for his daughter's wedding. Six months later, he bankrupt. A million dollars. What can you do if you're going to get married to tell the people instead of going and buying all these dishes and all these things, hey, would you just put it in a kitty for us? We just need cash. Make a simple wedding. Just have it at the church. Use the basement of the church or the side church, whatever, for, for reception. Don't spend much money. Just have cake and that's it. Focus on the spiritual. And take that 5000 10000 even $20,000 that was going to be spent on that or more and go patch of land or buy a patch of land. The, the weddings and what's going on with them is, is, is insane. My wife and her mother made her wedding dress. Do you think that was gratifying to them? Beautiful wedding dress. Incredible. They weighed 20 pounds. Had all the pearls and all this stuff on it. Maybe not that much, but it was, it was thick. It was beautiful. The point is, is we can live more simple if we decide for it. We won't if we don't. And this is why we're in trouble. Because we're always looking for the next thing and not enjoying what we do have. My wife and I, we started our business. I worked it. She helped me with this. With the kids, she was out a lot of times with, with me. We got more people working for us, employed, but we never increased our, our expenditures as far as our way of life, as far as what we we're spending. We put everything back into to the to the company. And as it rose in its money and its profit, we stayed stable on our living, living minimally like if we didn't have it. We did that for probably 12, 13, 14 years. When we began to take it out, we had plenty, plenty of money to take out. And we built our house. We paid cash for it. You've heard the story, many of you. But it was built one block at a time. And you can do that. You can reverse this just like this couple did and get in a better position and be gratified and do it because you're going to have to do it later. When you're in battle in the military, they do a controlled retreat or they continue the battle and get defeated and they all run in all directions and have have them get killed. You can do a controlled retreat right now while you got economy coming in, you got an economy that's still functioning and working, or you can be forced to do it and be scattered 
and be slaughtered. What you can do now in one day can take 10 years to achieve later. You have to start reflecting. You have to start acting. You have to start moving. You have to start putting yourself in a direction. This couple came home one night and decided to change the direction of their life. All right, he says, change the direction of your life. She means that. She's not suggesting you do it. She's saying there's something coming. Jesus said, you see the clouds gather? What does that tell you? Read the signs of the times. Read the signs of nature. Our lady says, see the signs of the times? Jesus said, watch for them. She's saying, do you see? Look around you, dear children. No, she didn't say that. She said, look around, poor children. Look around you, poor children, at the signs of the times. That's why she just recently said, pray that you comprehend everything. We're not doing it because we're so glued to the culture is ways that we can't see we're blind we're all retired here at Caritas we work like dogs we work long hours we deny ourselves sleep to make that work run but we're doing what we want to do everybody here wants to be here and they understand it's a privilege to do what we do but a lot of people are working out there not doing what they want to do and hate the work but they got to do it if you're not on your on your knees and you're not praying, what you do becomes work. I never look at what I do work, and we work, as far as the Word, very, very hard, very grueling. But we don't look at it like what most people out there do what they have to do for their work as work. We're advancing and populating the kingdom of heaven. What a beautiful way to live, to know that you wake up and your life means something. And you have purpose. Do you want to wake up tomorrow and have purpose? Then reflect on your future, make changes, and think, what can I do right now? Do I know where that countryside road is? I saw that little, hood out, little hut out there that wasn't even livable. Could I buy that patch of land and 10 acres and change my house and live in, in something the wind blows through and start fixing it a little bit by a little bit? Can I get married and about to get married and put me a camper on 10 acres of land? Take the wedding money for that, everything I got in scrounge for that? You better start thinking out of the box before there's no box to live in. Better to be in a box right now. Frank? Well, this is, of course, what we're doing. And when, you know, we did that made this move, you know, we're looking to downsize. We're looking for longer growing seasons. We're looking to be able to eat, you know, more off the land. Downsize, downsize is more. Frank lived on 10 acres, and he downsized, he's got 1,000 acres. And it's paid well, for, his 10 acres wasn't well, paid for. This is, the, this is the story that I want to tell, because the, the beautiful thing of this story is, is I always love this old celebration of the Sabbath. Um, the Lord's Day was always celebrated like we would celebrate uh, the um, Easter Vigil as the candles were lit every night at sundown. I think this is a very beautiful celebration. I think it's a very beautiful part of the story. And I think that as I've lived the writings and God wants to write a story through my life, it has absolutely nothing to do with me except for his strength can be shown. And, I, and my weakness is that when we had closed on the store, we had an agreement, we hadn't closed yet, we had an agreement on the land. The first time in the history of the Medjugorje messages, December 25th, we were leaving this, everyone, you know, telling us we're crazy, we're leaving this business because of the Lord's Day, because of 
look what happened while you're sleeping. And Jesus gives a message. All this is going on. And I, I tell you, and I've said it to you before, that he's testifying to look what happened while you're sleeping. By saying when all this is going on, I don't think it can be denied that I am your peace to live my commandments. In the midst of all this, I'm, you know, our family's trying to live the writings through the message, and this is the, the journey that God has taken us on. We didn't do anything to deserve what God has given us. We didn't do, do anything to deserve to be here. We're just, you know, simply trying to follow what Our Lady's showing us through your writings, through your mission. And because I, you know, have said many times, I think it's the most important in the world. This is where we tie. This is where we're being fed. And uh, so this is an incredible thing. And I, I don't want to ever feel like we're forgetting the heart of these these writings. Look what happened while you're sleeping, because it's it's so important. Um, you, you can't, as Christians, forget the day of the Lord and not have this beautiful celebration of Sunday and um, think that we're not the problem. And so this is what the um, the story made me think of, this beautiful, you know, Sabbath feast starting at sundown, and um, and the beautiful writing, of course, look what happened while you're sleeping. Well, it's still so important. If you don't start this trek, this journey, by first living the Sabbath, and I say living the Sabbath is something I can't explain, we don't have enough time, but if you read the first four chapters of Look What Happened While You're Sleeping, which is that? Is that even downloadable on our site, Riz? Yeah, I think it's a free download. It's a free download. Just download the first four or five chapters. Read it. If you don't start there, you've not started, and you go nowhere because what you fix on Sunday breaks on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and it will do that. You may be progressing, you may be doing it, but it's like she said in this writing that she looked around the kitchen. She had two of everything, and she was working for it. One time there was a priest here. He was given a gift of $10,000. He wanted me to take it back to Medjugorje. And I thought nothing about it. I was in business. I handled, I handled a lot of money all the time. So I said, sure, I'll do it. Didn't think twice about it. And this is when I first started going to Medjugorje. And so I decided to take this back. And uh, I spent two days in New York carrying this around. My mind was consciously on it all the time because you had to be aware of it. Where you go, what you do, you're in Central Park, and you got $10,000 in, in a waistband. And and I don't, fortunately, have to do that now. But at the time, he didn't want the burden of carrying around that. He, he woke up in the morning, he's free. I wake up in the morning, I have to go check the poo skimmers, I have to check this, I have to do that. All these things, I was, it really struck me. I'm working for things while things work for him. As a priest. And it was really enlightening to me that why have I put in this position that I'm a slave to things. I didn't even know that. That I'm constantly for those things. And so these are the kinds of life or kind of life that you want to orchestrate and where you're free from that. You know, he could wake up in the morning and listen to the birds sing. I'm sitting there checking all, all the maintenance in the yard and all the house and all these things. It's just too much. And so the reordering of life is, is very important to, to have peace. But you can't get there if you're not willing to change your life on Sunday. That's the first place to start. And that, after years of agony with Frank, is where everything changed for him. 
when he when he just said, "Okay, I can't get out of my franchise contracts from pizza stores. I'm just going to close it. I'm just going to sell it out." And then, from, and when he made that decision, then God gave him the land. You will dwell in a land by honoring your mother and father. The scripture says that. You don't think you're going to dwell on the land if you honor the Father on Sunday, the Heavenly Father, and you won't dwell on the land? You do it, and you'll dwell. It may not be in your Father's land. It may be your own, but still, the Father owns all the earth. Frank, what's going on in the silver market? Well, silver technically has uh, broken out a little bit of its, its current range, and we don't know that It'll go up in a straight line, but what we do know is that there's, um, as we've talked about a lot in the past months, there's a heavy, heavy short position, a naked short position, which means paper sellers are in very weak hands, and we know this is going to take several dollars, um, at least tens of dollars, um, and you know we'll have to get through 50 before this is corrected. It's just going to take a long time to unwind what is happening, all these hedge funds getting in and pushing it too low. And um, when we come out of this, it, it could go up very fast. So, you know, this is the time of year, August, September, October period, where these corrections usually end. Silver is very seasonal. You enter into Indian buying season. Uh, China's to pass India this year for as gold buyers. Um you know, it couldn't, uh, the fundamentals couldn't be better, and there couldn't, you know, be a better place to be secularly. But when you have all the other information that we're giving through this show, through the writings, it ain't going to happen. You know, it makes it pretty easy that uh, if you have paper to get rid of, I think now's the time to do it. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll just see what happens. But you have the most undervalued asset on the planet being manipulated. And you have, uh, you know, the sell side going into weak hands, and this has to be, it, it'll have to be dealt with, and it has to be dealt with at a much higher price. You've got to read, ain't going to happen. If you've already read it, reread it again, it'll give you motivation to take further moves. We designed the Maracas Metal Magic Around, one ounce piece of silver. It's, it's uh, headed toward $100 million worth out there. The book is responsible for probably two-thirds more silver, I would guess, at least being sold, which is another couple hundred million. So you're, you're, am I, well, can you substantiate that in some guesstimate, Frank? Two-thirds more being sold than what was did in the American Spellmers going around to the book? As far as, as far as uh, how much silver the book is interesting. Right, being, yeah, just regular uh, silver, right. just regular yeah. silver, not, not them around, not our round. Um, it's, it, it's scary, I think it's a lot more than that, unfortunately. But I'm saying conservatively, uh, I'm saying it's two-thirds more been sold, so you're looking headed toward $300 million from a little book of truth of what mm-hmm. Ray's shown us. My point in making this is that it's, it's fleeting, the silver is, you want it to take your 401ks, get it out of it as soon as possible, to put in something that's worth something because your land is your goal, your house is your goal, and it all be out of debt and paid for and a way of life is your goal. But you have to take an immediate step today. And that's why we designed the Miraculous Matter Measure Go Around to do that. Now I want to simplify show you simplify things to show you our situation. We are mining for coinage 
and for not for industry for but for silver for being put in in uh, jewelry and, and coins. Three hundred fifty million ounces a year. That's what's available. That's all that's available. The other is seven hundred thousand or seven hundred million ounces rather. That's mined per year. Three hundred fifty goes in industry. Half of the other, the three other fifty goes into the rounds and what we're doing. They're sold today on paper. Five hundred million ounces on paper. So five hundred million ounces of silver. Sold on paper that doesn't exist today, does it's not there. What does that tell you? This is going to collapse. The silver is going to go through the roof. Someday the the the, the bus is going to stop. It's going to run out of fuel because it runs out of fuel. The silver market, when people want their paper cashed in, it doesn't exist. Frank, do we know how many ounces on paper exist out there? Is it? It's got to be billions. How they sold it? Is there any record of that? Well, the five hundred million you mentioned is in the Comex alone. So I, I wouldn't know. I mean, you have derivatives in all the different ways that silver silver can be manipulated. So it's just not real. What what we do know is the number of physical, like you say, is is tiny. It's minuscule. You know, three hundred million ounces is nothing, and that that's you know, not are. all of that's going to so to just to, to bullion. Some of that's going to jewelry and other other types of investments, silver. So, is there any calculations about how much is out there on paper? It's being sold back and forth. That really doesn't. That we know it's just paper, and they're making money on it by by speculation and then shorting. But how much is out there? Do we have any inventory of that as far as paper? Well, billions in, in different paper ways to play. You have the SLV. I don't know the exact number, but um, you have. You know, a few hundred million ounces. I don't know if it's up to three hundred and seventy-five million or four hundred million in the SLV. Supposedly, they have some physical silver. I'm sure there's no inventory in the hundreds of millions anywhere on Earth. Okay, well, uh, let's, let's be conservative. Okay, it says only one billion ounces of paper being traded, and then something happens. They go to cash out in to get their money back, and they want silver. There's not even three hundred fifty million ounces out there. In other words, there's three hundred fifty million ounces mined per year. So where is it going to come from, and what happens at that point? It's not there. This is the miracle that, that we witness every single day. This, this uh, you know, quadrillion-dollar um, derivative problem su- sustains itself by faith, and no one enters into uh, the tiny physical silver market. It is an incredible miracle, and it is an, it's a tremendous grace. And... Well, it's a grace that God allows it. It could change. You don't know how how fast it could change. The Bible tells us in one minute their wealth was brought to nothing. And if people start coming into the silver market tomorrow, physical silver in Asia, in India, and then in Europe, and then the United States, it's it's over. The game's over. And uh, it's it's as simple as that. And and this is and and what could be more logical? You know, do you want something physical in this time, or do you want paper? When papers for the house of cards, sir. Frank, your contact information? Yeah, you can reach us uh, toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And our website is globalsilverinvestors.com. 
Well, you have to act. You have to reflect. You have to be thoughtful of everything you're doing at this moment and why you're doing it. Question yourself, but not God and all these messages. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. And on this Assumption Day, the celebration of the Queen into heaven, good night. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.